I feel like Mike is now, he's just going to whip out the controversial topics and see if I've had enough beers to say something about it. Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. What is going on? Welcome to From the Ground Up Podcast. As you can see, it is just me today. So uh, what I'm going to do is awkwardly talk to this computer for about an hour at least. So uh, today I just wanted to complain a little bit. Uh, Here in the great state of Pennsylvania, you can't buy beer from just a regular gas station or anything like that. Also, you can't buy beer at most supermarkets. So I had to go down to my local bar, which is like two blocks away. Sounds convenient, right? Sounds really convenient, but I asked them for beer and they had like Bud Light, Coors Light, Heineken Light, whatever the fuck else light. And I had to settle for Amstel Light, guys. I mean, I'm disappointed in myself. Uh, it was a lack of preparation. I'll get better. So I'll, that will explain uh, my light beer choice. Sorry, guys. But anyway, portcitypet.com. Do you know that we have isopods available? As well as uh, things like Isostrate, which if you guys don't know, Isostrate is a uh, cocoa core, as well as some hardwoods, as well as some calcium, as well as some leaf litter. I'm trying to figure out what I should actually say. <laughs> but anyway, it's great for your isopods, but I'm also using it as a bioactive substrate for my reptiles. Uh, in particular, obviously, my snakes, uh, my Amazon tree boa, as well as my emery rat snake, as, and as well as my two pairs of Slowinski eyes. Uh, Slominski's corn snakes. So I have been messing with that as a bioactive soil as well as for the isopod because I figure whatever the isopods thrive in and whatever keeps humidity and uh, yeah, it's probably good for your snake um, or works at least. So I'm I'm kind of experimenting with that, putting some leaf litter over it and uh, had good results so far. So that's something to consider, I guess, if you're doing a bioactive. I actually, I was talking, I was talking this I guess it was this weekend to uh, Austin Warwick of Rage Beard Reptiles. And I mean, we were, I mean, usually when, when I talk to like good friends of mine, especially reptile people, it's usually like a two hour conversation about all types of things, reptiles. So uh, we had, he was setting up a bioactive enclosure and go check it out on his Facebook or his Instagram or whatever. Super, super awesome. It was, uh, he has like a bunch of bromeliads and stuff going on. He did the whole uh, spray foam, insulated the back and cut out uh, parts for the plants and stuff like that. So go check out on his page what he set up. And then, uh, yeah, he's going to be putting some of our uh, springtails and powdered isopods there. So something I wanted to talk about and the thing is that like I don't know how to talk about these things and I'm never sure uh, exactly how to word it or anything like this. But it's very obvious, I think, at this point that uh, Melissa is no longer doing the podcast and Obviously, we broke up and we're both doing okay. And uh, it was actually right before the quarantine. And uh, so, yeah, I just figured I might as well tell you guys that because obviously you guys haven't seen her in a little bit. And uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to explain that. And I mean, it's really awkward, but I know that. uh, But that's life, isn't it? Yeah. Weird. So where do we go from here? I didn't want to take up too much too much uh, time on that, but I wanted to tell you guys because honestly, I've had a hard time talking about it for a little while. Just it's been you know at least a month or so, and I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what to say. But anyway, 
let's get over that. So if you guys want to in the chat, in the live chat, anyone listening on the download, we do these or I do these. I keep on saying we see that's a bad habit that I can't get rid of when I'm talking about the business or the podcast. I always say we. Um, but so so I do these live streams typically Mondays or Tuesdays, seven to nine. But it's not uh, it's not like clockwork on YouTube. If you want to check out Poor City Python's podcast uh, YouTube channel. Um, otherwise, uh, guys in the chat, anyone who's in the chat, um, ask me anything besides what Dan asked. <laughs> ask, ask me anything about life, business, reptiles, all that stuff. Right now, as far as Port City Pet goes, um, we're, we're transitioning, or I am transitioning from uh, Port City Python to Port City Pet. I mean, a lot of you guys have noticed that, uh, portcitypet.com. And then, so we have a lot of, uh, I have, damn it. That is going to happen a lot. And uh, I have a lot of stuff going on as far as like orders go out. And I thank you all for your support and everything going on. But uh, it's been a really, really busy season, especially with my day job. And what about this beard? I grew a beard. You guys have definitely never seen me with a beard. I don't know how I feel about it. But anyway, Animal Pizza asked, what's your favorite color morph? So when he's talking about color morphs, I wonder if he cares what species it is. Because I do work with corn snakes, but I mean, I've seen some amazing, amazing color morphs, not just uh, necessarily in corn snakes, but in other species. So one that really stands out to me, well, I should probably preface this with saying palmetto corn snake. I mean, to me, that is probably one of the most striking morphs that you could ever have. A white snake with just a splash confetti of all different colors. Amazing. It's, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine anything looking better than a palmetto corn snake, but also in the same vein, if you guys have ever seen the calico uh, Dominican red mountain boa, I don't know if they're really reproducing that in captivity, but I've seen multiple pictures of what seems like multiple animals. One of them looked like it may be, you know, in the Dominican. So I'm not sure if that's being worked in captivity. If someone knows that, uh, just let me know. But I think, I think it is actually uh, somewhere in captivity. Um, I wouldn't love to work with those animals, but I love the look of that particular animal. It is a dark, like striking red with uh, random white flecks all over. And uh, yeah, it makes it a super, super awesome animal. But also, I mean, I love anything pied. Um, I mean, the calico and the palmetto are kind of in the same vein, but I mean, a pied ball python is amazing. Uh, you know, something like a, a dreamsicle or a banana pied or there's really so many. Um, it's definitely not the the morphs isn't really where I get my kicks as far as uh, as far as the snakes go. I'm really more interested in like natural behaviors as well as natural color patterns and just different species of animals. And I do love and like I said, I do I do love color morphs, but that's really uh, it's not my forte, if you would like to say uh, it's not my my number one choice as far as uh, keeping animals and projects that I'm trying to get into and stuff like that. Um, I just find that it's a little bit more rewarding to work with species that say maybe are rare and maybe that there's only so many people producing. So a species doesn't have to be rare in the wild to be rare in captivity. There's plenty of species that we don't have in captivity that are pretty plentiful in the wild. And a lot of that stuff, uh, especially things uh, from Australia, because if you guys don't know, Australia shut down export long ago. And so most of our snakes have been or most of our Australian snakes have been through zoos or 
through zoos in parentheses uh, or or uh well you know so so that's why that makes them rare just because obviously they're harder to get because uh, exportation is shut down. So maybe try to work with those kinds of animals so you, we can have them in the United States or maybe work with uh, Indo animals that are often imported. Stuff like that is really interesting to me as well as just uh, obviously I focus more on colubrids. So I'm focusing particularly on like the Slowinski's corn snake because there's really only, you know, a few, a handful of people reproducing those, even though they're not necessarily rare and they're U.S., they're from the U.S., it's still uh, it's still something that I find uh, nice to pursue and a little bit different. And you get to expose new people to new animals all the time. So if you go to a show or even if you do YouTube or podcasts all the time, whenever, you know, like I did uh, Reptile and Chill not too long ago, just a few months ago, I wasn't going to bring out my corn snake morphs for whatever reason that doesn't that doesn't spark me up as much as uh exposing people to a new species so i took out the louisiana pine snake and i took out the Slowinski's corn snake and all that stuff so that's the that's the stuff that i want to pass on in the community that's the stuff that i want to talk about in the community uh, i want to get people interested in snakes in the wild not just necessarily in captivity um snakes in captivity are great and i love obviously love snakes in captivity and but just enjoying color morphs, I think, is is selling yourself short as far as that. There's a lot more to learn as as well as, you know, things like natural history. It doesn't end with keeping. You also want to you want to dig into those species and keep this hobby interesting, because, quite frankly, uh, you can get burnt down on it if, if you're just worrying about uh, what morphs coming out and what you're going to produce this year and all that stuff. Speaking of which, I totally blew it as far as I didn't hold back enough males. So unfortunately, my male honey passed away in brumation this year. And man, is that a, a miss because I didn't have a backup for him. I have one growing up, but I don't have a backup for him. So that's a little disappointing. Um, so I probably won't get any honeys this year, but uh, we'll be back on the horse really soon, I swear. Uh, Justice asked, Will you have any coral ghost tesseras available come summertime? I will. And uh, I, I do have my coral ghost tessera stripe going to my ghost female as well as my snow, or was it, coral ghost tessera stripe to one of my dark annery tesseras. And they just produce some wild looking babies. So uh, yeah, so I can't wait to show you guys those. So I will have some coral ghost tesseras this year, uh, this summer. I, I do every year because I really love the morph. There's nothing more than like a bluish or there's nothing better than like a bluish purplish corn snake. I mean, come on, that's cool. So and, and if you guys don't know, coral ghost is typically um, referred to or is a result of red factor and ghost is the anery gene, which is recessive and the hypogene, which is also recessive. And tessera is a, well, some people call it incomplete dominant. Some people call it dominant. Depends on who you talk to. I don't know because I've never had a super tessera in quotes, or at least I've never had a tessera throw all tessera babies. Cause that's what you would have to do in order to, to be a super tessera in quotes. So Silent Hill Reptiles, what's up, JT? Um, most babies produced in a year. So the most babies I produced in a year was actually last year, which honestly, it's weird because the amount of animals 
is very, very small for a lot of people and a lot for other people. Like it's, it's very, very small for a select few breeders that, that actually do this professionally or that do this on a high level hobbyist level, high level hobbyist level. Is that a, are those words? So I produced just over 200 babies last year. And then this year, I think I may hit 250 and I'm doing that all by myself and it's going to suck. Um, so as far as colubrids go, I mean, that's not a lot. I know plenty of people who are over 1K as far as uh, producing colubrids who don't do it full time. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they maintain all those animals, but they do it and it's impressive. So uh, props to them. I am pretty much maxed out actually. I don't think I've told many people this, but I think I'm going to kind of scale down my collection after after this year, produce a little bit less just because there's only so many of me. There's only so many corn snakes I want to get out there or morphs that I want to get out there and stuff like that. And quite frankly, I don't want to res I don't want to have to wholesale. So I want to kind of keep it down and because I have a bunch of babies growing up and I don't really want to get too much over 250, 200 to 300 babies. I could stay in that range. And uh, honestly, I don't make a, a bunch of money on it, but it really doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's the range that I'm comfortable in. So um, if I wanted, if you really want to make this a full-time career, especially if you're with colubrids, it's going to be very difficult and it's going to be numbers, 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 even ball pythons, man. I mean, there's no one doing it full time without, without having a hundred to 200 breeders. Right. And how many clutches, you know, at least like 50 clutches a year, if you have really high end stuff, I don't know. It's a lot. It's a big undertaking. So if you're thinking of being a full-time reptile breeder, which I think we all have, and I have as well. Um, but I think I've figured out through my time that it's uh, it's not for me in the way that it's very time consuming. It's very hard work. You never get a day off. You have to sacrifice everything. So much respect to anyone who does it full time. So Lance asked. Oh, well, Silent Hill Reptiles also asked how many would make you go crazy, which I feel like I, I answered that. But about 250 i think it's the uh that's the line for my sanity um i may i may push that a little bit but uh yeah yeah that's getting pretty rough so lance said how are you keeping your sanity honestly i'm keeping my sanity by i've uh, i have a jump rope which i haven't done in a long time but it's a good way to get cardio in without without running and you know that jump roping actually in the same amount of time, say one minute walk and one minute jump roping, jump roping, you actually burn 25% more calories. So there you go. So that's what I've been doing as well as doing like extra body weight exercise and stuff to try to like keep my, my body alive. Cause I've just been hanging out on a couch. Uh, I actually, I work from home. Usually my, my day job, I usually work from home. And so the, the whole COVID thing hasn't changed much. And I, I also really want to give a shout out. We we saw Dallas Dallas Rua in the chat earlier, um, as well as his wife Amanda, as well as Eric Burke. I mean, they all work at at grocery stores, so thank them, and a big shout out to them for all the work that they're doing throughout this whole thing, as well as uh, people like Carly Jones, who is a nurse from the Reptile Gumbo podcast. So check out that podcast as well as a uh, Carly is a good friend of mine. So uh, shout out to all of them. And anyone else who's listening to this or anyone else in the reptile community, 
who is uh, an essential worker on the front lines of this whole thing. You guys are badass. You allow me to sit here and jump rope like a freaking bum and drink beers on a Monday. Yeah. It's hard when you have to talk by yourself to take time to drink beer because I don't want there to be silence. So I haven't really touched this, uh, this Amy light. That's what we're calling it now. So Mike Kosicki. Nope, oh, that wasn't a question. Sorry, Mike. Now I'm trying to read. That's the that's the problem. I'm not uh I'm trying to read while I'm trying to talk. Boop a doop boop boo. James, what's up? James Lewis, Simply Serpents, also the Rept Reptile Gumbo podcast. Tom two, yes. Quarantine beard is in full effect. I don't know. I, I'm getting a beard trimmer tomorrow. I'm not sure if I want to trim uh, the neck or trim the whole beard off. I don't know. So I think I think Lance was saying he does. Is I'm guessing he's referring to himself. He does IT for uh, local health jurisdictions. So shout out, Lance. Dallas, you're welcome. So yeah, it's been... Uh, and Lori asked, what's my day job? So that's that's kind of weird because I feel like there's there's so many people in the reptile community who either don't talk about their day jobs or don't don't at least advertise that they are or like you're like I feel like so many people are like huh is that person full time I don't know they never really talk about their day job but my day job is uh, my day day job is doing e-commerce I actually manage a website for a fitness retailer so if you guys want to check out fitnessexchange.com that is actually who I work for. And uh, I basically just put up products on our Shopify website as well as do some really light, light developer work. Uh, we have like a developer developer who does all the uh, all the legit stuff. I just plug and play and move things around basically. But yeah, I, I, uh, I manage a Shopify website for a fitness retailer, retailer, retailer. And it's, it's really weird times now because... Honestly, we're getting a lot of orders. Our, our retail stores are closed. Therefore, we're taking all orders through the website. So it's been crazy. I've been doing so much work for that. And then as far as uh, Port City Pet goes, this has been my best two weeks ever. So I, I thank you guys for that as well as I think it's going to kill me, but I don't care. Because I love sending you guys isopods. <laughs> I don't mind. That's a, that's the weird thing about doing something that you really enjoy is that you never know if you're working or you are. And listen, shipping isopods, putting things in a box, who could ever enjoy that? And shipping things out, like that's obviously a job, right? But for me, I don't know. I, I had a job when I was in college, um, probably about 21, and I actually worked in shipping and receiving and we had an eBay and Amazon store and I shipped all day. And, you know, when you're doing it for like 10 hours a day, it kind of sucks, but I'm honestly, I'm good at it, which is a, a silly thing to be good at. But, uh, so I really enjoy it now when I do it, you know, in moderation, I don't have to do it 10 hours a day, but yeah, so, so that's where I kind of got my chops as far as, uh, as being able to ship things. And so if, if anyone's ever left a review that, uh, that our shipping was good. Shout out to uh, to that job that I had in college in Oswego, New York. Those were the times, I suppose. I mean, it was something. So Jaden asked, what is your favorite feeder company for rodents? So currently my favorite feeder company for rodents, and honestly who I've used for the last three years is Big Cheese Rodent Factory. 
I believe it's bigcheeserodent.com or Big Cheese Rodents, one of those. But I mean, I've really, I've had really, really good luck with them. I've never had a bad experience. Everything is frozen individually and then placed on a tray and then uh, vacuum sealed. So everything is in pristine condition. They don't smell. There's nothing going on. Um, yeah, so I, I just don't feel like there's anything better out there on the market than that. And they've always been good to me. So, uh, so yeah, Big Cheese Road Infection. I mean, there's plenty of other ones. Um, the only ones that, and I hate to, to disparage a company on here, but uh, Rodent Pro, I believe, is the one that uh, I think they I think they buy like excess lab rats or something weird like that. Someone if someone knows the backstory, but they basically they get them like secondhand or something, I believe. I don't know. I could totally be wrong. This is why it sucks doing it by yourself. There's no one to actually fact check. me. <laughs> so if anyone's if anyone's in the chat. Um, but yeah, I've heard of that happening. And then therefore people have gotten some really lackluster, uh, lackluster rodents from there. And then, so yeah, so confirmation from the chat is they've had some good, some bad experiences from Rodent Pro, which, I mean, to have some bad experiences, I mean, I have had rodents for three years from Big Cheese with zero, with zero bad experiences. So shout out to that. Uh, I, I'm really a stickler for as far as, as companies and everything goes for just being on top of your stuff. If you say you're going to do things, do it, get things out, shipped out on time, um, have everything organized and prop properly packed. And so, so I appreciate that. And that goes a long way and, and they're always timely with my stuff. So, so shout out there. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, wind serpents mentioned that Rodan pro is just so cheap. It's kind of, it's kind of hard. Uh, it's kind of hard not to buy from there, which I totally understand. But it's it's also and a lot of people in the chat are talking about size and the his uh, Dallas Ruiz said that his biggest concern as far as the rodents go is the difference in sizes. So I'm guessing he means like if you get a large mouse, you'll get you know a smaller a smaller mouse and a larger mouse and whatever whatever. There's no consistency in sizing, which is really for me it's not a big deal because I will I will go and thaw out like a hundred rodents at a time and then i'll just eye out oh this animal gets one about this big so i don't mind if everything's all over the place um, but i could totally understand especially if if i'm thawing out for all of my adults i want i want large breeder mice like retired breeder mice that's usually what i what i give them so i would be a little disappointed if there's something a little bit smaller in there or or um and kind of Dallas has was talking about this on the smaller side. The worst is when the small pinkies aren't small enough for corn snake people or colubrid people. So colubrids, if you've never seen one, I mean, they hatch out like four to six grams or something. I don't know. I don't weigh them, but I believe uh, when I did, that's about where I was. And they're about as thick as a pencil, maybe if you're lucky, probably smaller than that. So a, a pinky too big will actually cause them to regurge. And then once a baby corn snake regurges, it's a real issue and it can become a, a chronic issue. So it's something that you want to avoid. So if a company sells you smalls and they're not, or they don't have an extra small size, really what you need is those, those babies that the mom mouse literally just dropped. Um, that's crucial as far as, Oh, just dropped my beer. 
as far as getting the correct size and to not lead to any long-term issues. So, so that has been a problem in the past for me when I've bought from shows mostly. Um, that's always wildly inconsistent. Um, they usually just have pinkies or they'll have large and small. Um, some, some, I believe, uh, man, why am I blanking? Um, some, okay. So wind serpent said cold blooded cafe. So I believe cold blooded cafe has, uh, has super small pinkies. So, so that's interesting and that's really convenient for, for colubrid people. And Mike Kosicki says he has garter snakes now and something he highly recommends for a bioactive enclosure is getting the oh never mind he's asking me i should read better i should read better so i have garter snakes now something i highly recommend but for a bioactive enclosure is it as simple as using the right substrate and throwing in some isopods i mean yes and no um, it may take more attention than that. You may want to grow plants. And in the Amazon enclosure, I'm growing plants, and that's fun. In the emery rat snake enclosure, for example, I just I threw down substrate. I put a a layer of leaf litter on top, which in my in my area, there's a lot of oak trees. So I got some some oak leaves. I went and collected them and then put them in the oven 200 degrees and cooked them for 40 minutes to an hour. And then I, uh, I just put them on top of the substrate and I make sure that my substrate's pretty moist, but I don't put a drainage layer because the, the drainage layer allows water to sit. And quite frankly, you don't really need that much standing water or anything like that, uh, in, in a reptile enclosure, in a snake enclosure in particular. Um, my, my whole room is humid enough for the snakes. So even though I do hydrate my soil and I do spray it every once in a while, just to make sure that the springtails and isopods are are doing okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really, it can be as simple as you want it to be as far as uh, it will work. And the, the Emery Rat just has one of those black plastic hides in there as well and a water bowl. And that's it. It's, it's set up like a pretty simple, straightforward enclosure just with bioactive substrate, which in this case is, is my isostrate and then some leaf litter on top. And it, I mean, it's worth a try. It's so easy. And, and to be honest, the, the, the substrate's a real pain to make, so it's super easy just to order it off the website, and I sell it by the pound. And, uh, yeah, so you can get, you know, one pound of substrate, start off for 10 bucks, and start off uh, a bioactive enclosure and just try it out. So, uh, yeah, it's it's worth a shot. And then as far as what, what bugs I'm going to put in there, what arthropods, and then what crustaceans I'm going to start with, with springtails. And in most cases, you're going to use... Uh, temperate or tropical springtails. Um, I use temperate for everything at this point. I do have arid springtails. I have a culture growing out, but I don't have any need for that. I just wanted to be able to provide that eventually. So it depends on your environment also. So if you're, you have a leopard gecko enclosure, maybe you're going to use those arid. Uh, or you're going, or you have a savanna monitor or something with very high light. Um, maybe that doesn't keep humidity. I don't know. Also, uh, Powder orange isopods is what I use, or powder blue, same species. There's also the whiteouts. Um, Prenosis, I believe, is, is the species name. They're super active. They're super protein aggressive, which means uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to go on there and start eating your snake, but they're going to really be aggressive towards that uh, 
that waste and also the shed and they're really going to take care of a lot they're super active you're going to see them around they're bright orange or this crazy like frosted blue frosted more of a frosted grayish black uh black look to them super cool but uh yeah so that's what i always recommend i sometimes i'll throw um if i don't have plants in the enclosure I will throw in a few carrots and stuff like that for the isopods to eat every once in a while, but they don't even typically need that. They'll feed off the leaf litter. They'll feed off the waste. But if you want them to reproduce faster, maybe get some cichlid pellets, give them a little extra protein, um, give them some leafy greens, give them some carrots. Um, I sell isopod food. That's probably a little overkill for, say, if you have an enclosure because at least with the isopod uh, food that that I make and sell – I put like a tablespoon in the in a culture and they'll all swarm it and and take it down but if it doesn't if it doesn't get eaten in one day it will start to mold over just from the humidity and it's because it's basically powdered vegetables and fruits and uh, and protein as well um so yeah like uh like pea isolated protein and stuff like that so it's actually a high protein diet as well as a get your leafy greens in there and stuff like that you just got to be careful it may not be best suited for uh, for putting in an enclosure if you just have like 12 uh if you just have 12 isopods in a whole enclosure they may not take down all the food but yeah and then spray some uh spray some uh lightly put some calcium in there you know some uh we sell isocal but you can get any calcium supplement as well as some people do eggshells and stuff like that and that that allows them to malt efficiently and effectively and gives them a proper growth rate so yeah those are all things to to keep in mind um tom two asked are you making the isopod substrate yourself yes so that is something and it's funny i was we were, i was talking to james lewis at at New Orleans, New Orleans, uh, the New Orleans Herb Show. And there was a guy who was doing substrate, and then I was talking about my substrate and all this, and he's like, wait a second. You actually, like, put all that together yourself? Fuck that. Because what I have to do is, like, some of the stuff I need to soak. I need to break it down. I need to dry it out. Other stuff I need to crush up. All this other stuff. I need to disinfect stuff and... Yeah, it kind of takes forever. That's that's why I said that's why I said uh, yeah, you can check it out and you can buy it from the pound be by the pound on the website because it's kind of a pain in the ass to make yourself. But uh, and Palmetto Coast Exotics, aka Justin Smith, said his isopods obliterate flesh flesh flakes, fish flakes. So that's exactly what I'm talking about. So that's fish flakes is kind of a I'm being bougie when I use cichlid pellets because those are a little bit higher protein and whatever, whatever, but fish flakes works too. It's, it's the same thing. They're crustaceans or isopods. They live under rocks and they eat shit guys. Let's not overthink this. So Dan Cruz was said, I was originally planning to double my collection. Currently I have seven corn snakes, but I'm holding off at the moment due to the economy, even though I'm still currently able to work. So that, that's a weird thing. It's how, is this whole situation going to affect the reptile industry? And quite frankly, I know plenty of people who are selling plenty of snakes right now, but also there's plenty of people who are out of work and people just got this stimulus check. Will they keep on getting, you know, money in the mail and stuff like that? What will happen in the future? We don't know. There's definitely not going to be reptile shows for a good amount of time. Even if there are reptile shows, 
I probably won't even feel comfortable with going to one for quite a while. So I know that that, that's a big hit for a lot of people out there as well as uh, people looking for things. So people looking to get into snakes or we're not able to reach the public like we once were, even though YouTube, all that stuff, I'm sure that covers plenty of ground. But uh, there's something nice about having a physical location where thousands of people come in and uh, check out tables of thousands and thousands of reptiles and they get to talk to people about reptiles and new reptiles and they get to meet uh, other people who are interested in what they're interested in. And there's there's really not much that can replace that. So, uh, so that's definitely a loss on our part and uh, I hope we get back to it soon. But yeah, I mean, as, as a business, uh, how when this has been going on as soon as this happened i was just like oh man i don't know what are we what are we gonna do so what honestly what i did was i just i stopped buying anything i stopped doing anything and uh i'm waiting it out but like i said before business is good but that doesn't mean that i'm going to uh i'm gonna overexpose myself or give myself too many expenses because i got to be super conservative in this time and uh chill chill out basically so Mike Kosicki said, in regards to adding to the collection, um, if you are planning to breed, think two to three years ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's 100 million percent true. As far as obviously, I mean, I mean, I've been a victim of this multiple ways, and I've also thought things out in very good ways. But the way that I've been a victim of this is that my mind always goes to female first and therefore I have held back, especially in the last three years, I've held back a lot of females. And when it comes to males, I'm more apt to just be like, eh, you know, I have some growing up in three years. I'll produce another one next year. I'll just keep that one back instead. And then I forget that little agreement that I had with myself. And then all of a sudden there's not a male to take to, service service these females <laughs> so I, I end up a little male uh, a male light in which most people are upset because they're male heavy now i'm i'm male light i messed up messed up so that's where i'm at now spreading uh spreading a little thin because i didn't think two to three years ahead so uh so yeah and, and that was in reference to the guy who was saying he was looking to to double his collection but was holding off but as far as getting as far as getting started it's the same the same rules apply. Sorry, I'm taking breaks to uh, to drink this beer. I feel like I need to just chug this beer and then we can and then we can go. I need at least one beer to to really get loose to really talk decent, especially when I'm talking to myself. Well, I'm not talking to myself. We have Mike. We have Jake. We have Rude Dog Reptiles. We have Dan. We have Lori. We have Palmetto Coast Exotics. We have Tom Two. We have Game of Morphs. We have Wind Serpents. All the all the usual suspects. All my friends here. So, Lori said, "This sounds like something." And and this is referring to the isopod, the springtails. This is something that I need to do a Port City Pet video about. And Yes, I know, I know, and that's, I'm excited to do it and happy to do it, but I don't have the time. That's what sucks, man. I I feel bad because 
even uh, two podcasts ago, it took me like three days to get out. April's podcast took me like five days to get out. If you guys have seen, I've been like trickling out podcasts. All that stuff is because I'm so damn busy. And uh, I actually filmed a video and it actually includes a bioactive enclosure. It doesn't give you the gritty details because quite frankly, I don't want to speak before before I have all the information. Meaning like, yes, I've done this for a year and a half, but is that really anything? I mean, I've kept reptiles for I've bred for seven years and I've kept reptiles basically my whole life since first grade is my first reptile. So think of the the last 20 years, only one and a half of that has been spent, uh, you know, messing around with bioactive and stuff like that. So so I, I feel a little tentative to talk to to authority, like an authority on the matter is what I'm trying to say. But but I did, I got some amazing enclosures and they are, man, they're they're customized with the logo, Port City Python's logo, as well as uh I don't know. I, I shouldn't I shouldn't ruin the surprise, but I hope that, that video comes out because I did film it, but I actually uh I haven't gotten around to editing it and it takes forever. And I actually need a cable for my camera to put everything in. Blah, 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 blah all this other stuff. So basically I'm working on it. And as far as the, the videos go, I love doing videos, but damn, do they take a long time? I actually, just before this whole COVID thing, I actually reached out to a video editor and I was going to have him uh, edit, you know, two videos a week for me. Uh, I don't mind filming them. Filming can go pretty quick depending, but I don't really have time to edit it. So if anyone's a video editor out there, let me know because quite frankly, I was going to, to hire a professional, but it's kind of scary in this time to uh, to spend too much money. Like I said, I'm trying to spend as little money as possible on the business all around. So uh, just to ensure that in case, you know, money does dry up, I can still take care of my animals because what we're going to see is people who aren't, and we already saw um, one company in particular went out of business, uh, TGR Rack Systems. So if you don't know, tall grass reptiles, all that stuff, uh, they actually took down their website, their Facebook, all that stuff. I, I don't, I don't really know. I believe his name is Eric White personally, so I don't want to really speak on it, but that's really a shame. And I mean, for a business to go down that quick during the this situation seems a little unusual being that they had uh, they had plenty of orders, I'm sure, but it's really a shame. So you got to you got to be careful not to not to overextend. So therefore, I'm just being very conservative fulfilling orders so that I can uh, take care of the animals and do all that stuff because all that stuff comes first. And then at the end of all this, I still have a business and that's fun. And uh, my, honestly, my, my day job doesn't even, doesn't even necessarily now that I'm living alone and I pay a ridiculous amount of rent, it doesn't, it covers the bills, but not by much. So I actually depend on my business income. Uh, I depend on poor city pets income to, to pay some bills. So so that that's something that I need to consider going forward and throughout this whole thing. Beer brick. So Lori asked, how is the little snake doing that you were raising in the terrarium, the one from the Port City Pet video? So he was doing great. And then someone bought him. 
<laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I have no reason to to keep him around, uh, to keep a male snow tessera around because I have the brain of some male snow tessera. I produce a lot of male snow tesseras, all that good stuff. I, I did. I did love that little guy. But sometimes when you put things on video too much, when you put things on your Instagram stories, when you talk about things, people make offers. And if it's a male and it's young, it's hard to refuse. So there you go. Um, so he was doing great. I was seeing a lot of extra behaviors out of this baby corn snake in a, it was, I think it was a 10 gallon tank. The, the more room and the more things that you give these animals, especially corn snakes, they will use it. And obviously this 10 gallon had a sliding top. So therefore it was hard to escape. It was, you know, much harder to escape, almost impossible. I, I haven't had a baby corn snake get out of a sliding top and I've had baby corn snakes get out of almost everything. So, so that's why I, I prefer those sliding tops, but yeah, he was doing well and he was eating and all that good stuff. And then, uh, he was sold, man. And also, I mean, if there's anyone after all this, after all this dies down, I may need some help around here to be honest. So, um, if anyone's in the PA area or knows anyone in, in the Philly area, or if, uh, if anyone's willing to uh, commit to coming out here or doing something like that, just let me know. Cause uh, I think it's going to be a crazy summer. I'm going to try to do it myself this year, but I'm going to need some help going forward. So, uh, so yeah, there could be an opportunity for, uh, for people out there. So funny gaming asks, will you breed Kenyan Sambo is at some point? No, but you know who will James Lewis, who is in the chat somewhere and the host of the reptile gumbo podcast, he breeds uh, Kenyan Sambo's. And uh, they are awesome animals. They are weird little sausage worm things that don't come out and just stay under the ground and then launch themselves at rodents, which seems like fun. But it's not exactly my forte. I like things that are fast-moving, annoying, nippy. Uh, you know, the things where you open the enclosure and they fly out at you. That's kind of that's my style. Ooh, Mark... Mark in the chat said, looking for rubber boas. Rubber boas are awesome. I really, really love rubber boas. Uh, I went over to Dr. Travis Wyman's house, and he has a pair of rubber boas in a big bioactive enclosure. And man, just holding those animals, obviously, they get their name from feeling like rubber. But also, I was just surprised that he feeds them like a few pinkies at a time, which I thought was interesting. And he just leaves them in there and they get them eventually. And he said that the male males apparently are just super here and there with eating and they're pretty rough. And the, the females are typically pretty good eaters, but what docile little animals, just a weird alien creature that, uh, <laughs> Tom too. Tom too gave a super chat. First of all, Tom, thank you for the super chat. And second of all, he said shotgun a beer. I'm drinking out of bottle, so that's impossible. Unfortunately, there's like maybe an ounce left of this beer. I will chug the rest of this beer, and I feel a little obliged to drink a little bit more of that other beer of another beer. So uh, I'll do it. I'll do it for you. That sounds weird when I say I'll, I'll do it for you. But hey, I think Tom, Tom, you were the one who you sent me my first dwarf white isopods, didn't you? Those are literally, sorry, you guys are hearing this bag freaking go. 
those dwarf white isopods are really what started uh, the whole isopod thing for me. So isn't that crazy to think? And I mean, what did you send me those about a year ago or a year or two ago? Now I have thousands of these creatures. And the, the dwarf whites are also inessential as far as uh, if you have an enclosure in which you may not have a lot of waste, something like a dart frog enclosure or something like that. Um, they're fast producing and pretty hardy. And they will take care of some waste for you. But they are small. They are dwarfs. So you won't really see them. I think that's the that's the cool thing about the powder oranges is not only are they active and you can see them, but they're also super hardy and fast reproducing. But they're also really good at handling different humidity levels. So they can be really humid. They can dry out for a period. They can do all that. So uh, a really, really diverse and or... Diverse is probably not the right word. Very flexible, flexible species of isopod there. Yes, Lance Lance Kirkman said rubber boas no touchy in Washington. Yeah, I think I think they're protected across most of their range, um, especially in in something like uh, in a state like Idaho. I heard is pretty serious about them. Um, Washington, California, everywhere. But yeah, what what cool animals and what little weird eyes. And I'm Guys, I'm trying to open a beer with a clamp. Now I'm going to use my cell phone. If you guys didn't know, I have this I have this ability that I learned in college to open a beer with almost anything. And so I can pretty much leverage almost anything to open a beer. And I'm going to try to use my phone there you go. Did it. The things, the things you learn. <laughs> it's 420. Where's the smoke emoji, smoke emoji, smoke emoji? Well, I've thought about that. It is illegal here and it's not easy to get and I don't have it on hand. <laughs> and plus, dude, if, if I smoked weed, on this, I wouldn't talk for the rest of the thing. I get very insular, very, um, I guess you could say self-conscious with it. And um, very, I just turn insular. And yeah, so that wouldn't even be fun. Maybe with someone else, but someone else would have to totally carry the conversation. And I would giggle and shake my head. And that that's all I got. So that's why I don't do that a lot. But uh, yeah. So uh, Sun Hill Reptiles asked if you were to produce something rare or unique do you sell it or keep it so it depends how rare and unique and it depends a uh, man do i have a weird like hierarchy of what i what i deem to be valuable because it has it's so personal and has nothing to do with the reflection of the actual reptile market it's silly so uh so like Louisiana pine snakes, I keep all those. Yeah, that's that's what I do. They are rare and they are unique, but they're not necessarily more valuable monetarily or anything like that, or they're not necessarily easy or fun to keep. I mean, they are easy to keep, but I like to factor in the fact that when you open a bin and something hisses at you, rattles at you, strikes at you, they're easy to keep husbandry wise. 
they're not easy to care for. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, they can be a little bit of a pain, but that's, that's why you love animals like that. If you're, if you're into that, I can understand if you're not, because I need a good balance of that. Meaning like most of my corn snakes are pretty cool. And, uh, it makes it, it makes it feel worth it when, uh, when I open up, you know, the water Python and it comes at my face or it does something weird. Uh, she's actually really, really docile. She just has a little bit of a feed response. If I walk in the room, sometimes you'll hear her bang her head on the, uh, on the tub, which I'm like, Oh, I wish you would stop that. That makes me feel bad, but yeah, she's very hungry. <laughs> Beer. Sorry for people listening to the audio, man. But as far as uh, corn snakes, if I produce something rare, I don't know. I, I hate to to downplay it, but it, if I make like a quote again, world's first, I don't, I honestly, I say, is this furthering the species? No. Does it have any external besides monetary? Does it have any extra anything benefit or anything no no of course it's just how the snake looks so um i will make i'll make my decision based on if it's something that is just a straight up mutation like like i just put together an ultramel tessera mask or something ultra ultramel diffused mask tessera is is what i paired uh, this female and when she reproduces, there will be plenty of worlds first. But guess what? I'll also reproduce those next year and the next year and the next year. So will I let those go? Many of them? Yes. My dark annery girl through this purple pinkish thing. Am I going to get rid of that? Hell no. This is uh, we're talking about. The, the first one is established mutations that I know I can reproduce. This other one is a completely unique animal that I've never seen before and that I did not expect from this pairing. So you got to keep those kind of animals. Those kinds of, those are like one of a kind animals. Or you say, I hatched out this. Say you, you hatch out ghosts every year. And then you're like, wait, this is weird. You got to trust your instincts as far as, you know, you've produced 20 ghosts a year for five years or something. If you see something weird, keep it back. See see what turns out. Meaning I'm I'm keeping back the unknown things that I find to be unique. Uh the the known just new combinations stuff like that. It's not that I could care less, but I don't it's really whatever. Palmetto Coast Exotics, Justin Smith, also for Petticulture magazine. Wait. Did I say that right, Justin? Hope I didn't fuck your shit up. I, I have the magazine right there. I got a hard copy. I wish I had it so I could right next to me so I can put it on camera. But um, he asked, where are the Bairds? So Bairds rat snakes are awesome. If you've never seen Bairds, they start off as babies as these drab gray snakes that rat snakes that really no one could ever care about or give a shit about, unfortunately. But they mature into these. Some have this weird metallic grayish black wash to them. Some of them are completely orange. Some of them have purples and like almost bluish tones and different metallic tones to them. Reds, oranges. Amazing animals. But you don't see that coloration until, you know, 
one year it starts coming in two years and and then you just have an amazing looking animal and it's funny because I, I never see adult bears rat snakes at shows and I wonder why that is because you would think that it would be hard to sell them as babies and therefore people would have some yearlings hanging around stuff like that no I never see them I never see them available almost anywhere so I think it's it's interesting. Um, I would love a Baird's rat, though. The only thing is that it needs to be because it's it's a larger animal, larger than my corn snake, so it takes a little bit extra, a little bit of extra care. So it really needs to be something not necessarily unique, but maybe locality based, maybe from a very good line of animals, of a look that I particularly like. Even though I'll be buying a baby, and I I just have to hope that it looks like what I want. Yeah, that's that's. Justin also works a green tree python, so I feel like that's more of his game where you start off with something that's red and yellow and then it turns green and you don't know exactly what you're going to get. I'm not as comfortable with that as uh, as he is. So buying a, buying a gray baby and trusting it to turn to like red or orange or purple or whatever the hell it's going to turn, I don't know. It scares me. So Mike Kosicki asked is there a species you would jump on this year if it came across at an available if it came available at an affordable price yeah i mean honestly i think that there will be plenty of animals coming across at a at an affordable price due to this whole situation so uh that's something definitely to, to keep an eye out on and even though even though that's you know, that's, I'm not saying like go jump on uh, people's misfortunes. No, but I I think that there will be, and it will be pretty obvious that there will be a, a bunch of changes happening, and people will have to get out and do things that they got to do because their financial situation will change. And so keep an eye out, and you know, for fauna for collections going. You know, so if someone's starting, to, if someone wants to get into it or is looking to expand their collection, I think that's actually an opportunity. At least that's how I see it. It's an opportunity to uh, to acquire some good animals as well as give some people who who need the money some money. So yeah, so definitely there will be some some affordable animals. Uh, Mike said that his is a blue Baron's racer, also one of mine. Amazing animals. I mean, it's a blue snake. What else could you want? And he also said some Kribos. and. As long as they're under 250. So if anyone wants to sell Mike some Baron's Races or Kribos under 250, let him know, because uh, he's he's ready to jump on it. And as far as other than honestly, guys, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to stage off overwhelm. So I'm trying to be very conservative and not uh and not buy any new buy any new snakes. So or new species for that for that matter but i bet you give it a few months i'm sure i'll i'll have a, i'll have a few new animals or something like that so reptiles and rodents thank you so much uh thanks first of all for being here you said hey man love your podcast i won't say the rest because it seems very self-indulgent uh especially on the audio version but i i appreciate you uh listening as well as you watching the videos i really appreciate it and Justin said he likes the the lottery factor of the of the the Baird starting in a gray stage and then turning different colors. That ontogenetic color change is what you call it. By the way, guys, it's ontogenetic. It's not ontogenic. Ontogenetic. Um, people usually say that too fast, so it gets super confusing. Um, 
but yeah, he likes the fact that you can have something that starts one color and then turns into something completely crazy. I'm I'm way too controlling to do that kind of a thing. Like, I like to know outcomes of things. I like to take very calculated risks. And so, so that is not me, especially something like designer chondros where you can, you can spend $2,000 and that's, I mean, let's be honest, you can spend $3,000, $5,000 on this yellow, most likely at that point is going to be a red Neo and you don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. You're just trusting that's going to look like the parents, but there's a 50% chance, maybe even more than that. There's just going to be a green animal. Huh. take that take that chance that's all on you though man it's not me <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean there, there are some corn snakes like that that start off different colors but most of the times i know i know what they're going to turn into or at least they look cool as babies as well but yeah <laughs> game of more said you know what are really cool leopard geckos and uh so yeah he obviously works with leopard geckos i have actually never owned a leopard gecko that's one of those like First pet reptiles that I've never owned. I've had bearded dragons, crested geckos, corn snakes, boas, pythons, all different types of things. I've actually never had a leopard gecko. And it's mostly because I've never wanted to mess with insects, which is weird because I mess with plenty of insects now, as well as uh, I think I'm going to start getting into like mealworms and all that kind of stuff and doing that. I just want to get more and more into different parts of the hobby and just kind of expand not necessarily i want to be able to provide things that people need i think that as a snake breeder it's great because you get to fulfill a lot of cool visions that you have you get to be creative with what you put together you get to be creative in the way that you build out projects meaning like oh i saw this on fauna or i saw this on morph market Maybe I should get that to go with this, blah, blah, blah. How could how could this dark morph, you know, collaborate with this light morph? You know, how do you think it will affect it? Blah, blah, blah. That's all a lot of fun. But I really want to be able to, I love being able to sell things online and shipping them. That sounds so silly, but that's really like, I enjoy that as well. And I really enjoy building the business, doing the website, doing all that stuff. So, uh, so I want to do more of that. I like that just as much as snake stuff, which makes it kind of, uh, kind of convenient, huh? Uh, Dallas said it's his first year breeding Leos. He got eggs on the ground yesterday. So uh, congrats Dallas on that. That's super, I don't know. It's super different than snakes. You know, when you have two little eggs that, that come out and those babies are so tiny, but they're amazing looking leopard geckos are one of those animals that when they first come out damn are they cool um and I, i'm sure there's people out there that will that will uh that will tell me that that they look just as good as adults maybe some do but i love the contrast of a baby like the the glow of them is so contrasty so crisp and bold that i, I don't think you can really beat it Gabe Moore said I could always breed mealworms and dubia roaches. See, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start messing with the mealworms. Yes, but also you gotta keep in mind that so many people get sensitive of them. So I don't know if I want to work with them myself because I don't want to, I don't want to get the sensitivity towards them. And also he said dubia roaches, and 
Doobie Roaches are kind of, I'm getting more and more comfortable with the fact of maybe having things like roaches. I don't love holding roaches being around. I don't know. I'm still a little bit, still a little bit nervous. Um, as a kid, I would touch anything, any bug, anything. And then as an adult, I got a little tentative. I will obviously, uh, I touch isopods every single day. Other than that, uh, tarantulas, I would be fine with holding stuff like that. I'm not going to find a spider in the house and start holding it or anything weird like that. I mean, I don't mean to say weird things that most other people would feel, feel would deem weird, but, uh, I would feel weird to do it, doing it. Um, that's not really my, my thing. Cause I don't, I don't know much about spiders. So I don't know which ones are, uh, what their behaviors are like. I think that's, that's really a large part of it is maybe I just, I'm not comfortable with the dubias because I don't know exactly how they act, what they do. It's also a giant roach. I mean, do you blame me? I don't know, but yeah, I would. I think that that's that's an interesting part of the of the reptile hobby, and it is something that people need for feeders. So that yeah, that's something to consider, and maybe I'll be able to offer them in the future when someone else is working for me. Damn, <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know if I would. I would actually breed them myself, um, but yeah, super cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point. Game of Morph said dubias are way better than crickets. And they're also very similar to isopods, which is so true. And crickets, first of all, terrible. They smell, number one, especially if you got them in, in large numbers. Second of all, they get out. No matter what, they're out and they're all over the, all over the place. Not a big deal if you're down with crickets being all over the place, but a big deal if they're in your house, one million percent. And also, you're gonna hear them at night. They're if they were silent, it would be a little bit a little bit more simple. But they are not. So therefore, uh, crickets are definitely a hard pass for me, a hundred percent. Most most things, I will say, yeah, I'll make it in that. And maybe at some point, if I have a separate facility, maybe crickets are in. Who knows? But yeah, that's where I am right now. So Lucas said, hi from Connecticut. Nice to meet you since we are all inside during this. Hey, Lucas, it's nice to meet you as well. And yeah, man, hang in there. Hang in there. And are people getting used to it by now? It's been uh, it's been well over a month, right? For for most folks out there. Have you guys uh, have you guys gotten used to this weirdness? Are you playing with your snakes more? Are you uh, driving yourself crazy, driving your significant other crazy? Yeah. Uh, Kids are home from school. That's the most brutal. I, I feel bad for for the people who have to basically homeschool their kids and work from home and deal with all these changes, uh, all these changes going on. It's it's a lot. Let's see. Beer time. SoCal Herps asked. Oh, and congrats to SoCal Herps. I believe you uh, you had your first clutch of corn snakes just uh, earlier this week. So shout out to that. Not this week, maybe this weekend. So he said, I know you're more into the captive aspect, but do you think you'll have more herpers as guests instead of keepers and breeders? Honestly, I think in the last year, we've probably had more herpers or herpers slash biologists than we have uh, keepers and breeders. But yeah, that's that's definitely an aspect that I want to cover. And I want to cover every single aspect of herpeticulture. And that's what that's what I've been doing. And I should say herpetology slash herpeticulture because I want to have 
I want to have herpetologists on. I want to have biologists on. I want to have keepers on. I want to have breeders on. I want to have herpers on. Anyone who is interested in reptiles, I mean, I want to have photographers on. Usually photographers are herpers and vice versa. So, yeah, we, we've definitely had a lot of those those people on. And I love talking to those kinds of people because it gives you a different perspective. And also, I like to, uh, whenever I see one of my friends on, on Instagram, I always reach out to either Noah, Noah Fields, or, uh, or Greg uh, from Greg's Turtle Haven. I always reach out to them because they're they're finding down in Georgia, they're finding corn snakes all the time. I'm like, hey, what was that corn snake doing? Was it really on that tree? I was like, one time, I think it was Noah. I was like, or no, it was Greg. I was like, hey. like that. It looked like a chondro in hunting position on top of this branch. And it was like, it was a pretty young corn snake. He's like, nah, I put it there. So that's always good to know. I want to know, I want to know the natural behavior. So I saw a picture and I assumed, oh, turns out corn snakes, I think it was actually, it wasn't a baby. It was a little bit older. And I was like, oh, that looks like a corn snake hunting from a tree via this picture. But in reality, it was posed there. So uh, that's always things that are interesting to me because I want to know. Also, Noah found one under a tin. And I'm like, hey, does that happen often? He's like, no, not at all. That's one of the first ones that I've ever flipped. Because I want to know the natural behavior of the animal and what they're what they're doing in the wild. Um, does that help me as far as captive? No, but I mean, it's interesting to know because I want to know as much about the animals as as I can for sure. And part of that is uh, is what they do in the wild. So let's see here. Beer time while I read. I also need to read the questions and try to read the chat. And I'm kind of falling a little bit behind. Mike said, let a toke gecko or two go inside of your house to get to combat the, the crickets. I know some people who do that. I know, I know a bunch of people who do that, but uh, yeah. And then you, you not only have crickets out in your house, you also have toke geckos out in your house. Like you. So pranker 901 said, bro, it's been like two years. Do you remember me? I actually do because I remember that chargers logo and you used to be on the chat all the time, especially like in the OG days. Obviously, you said two years ago. I mean, we probably, I probably started this two to three years ago. Oh, probably going on in three years now. Probably over that. I don't keep track of that stuff, but uh, it's interesting. I've been here for a while. I guess three years isn't a while, but as it comes to uh, video podcasts, I, I think that's a while. Isn't it funny that when, when I started this podcast, there were zero video podcasts? As far as reptiles go, of course, there was other ones, but yeah, now you have all these awesome video podcasts to, to choose from. And, and obviously most of the podcasts, good burp there. Uh, most of the podcasts that I mentioned earlier are, are audio only, but there are a few, uh, there are a few herp live streams going on out there. Shout out MJ, shout out. Uh, there's some ball Python guys going on rude dog reptiles, I believe does something like that. So uh, yeah, people getting after it, man, running with it. So Dallas said the kids at home prevents a new challenge. Yeah, that's for sure. And especially because, you know, he has to go to work every day and coming home and taking care of the animals and man. So shout out to all you guys, uh, all the people who aren't lonely, single and lonely like me, just hanging out in my house, uh, crying to Alanis Morissette and uh, cuddling the dog. 
No, I'm just kidding. I don't, Alanis, I was I was really searching for like a, I don't know, not a, a different artist than that. But all I all I could grab was Alanis Morissette for some reason. Shout out to '90s kids. Trying to drink beers and read. <laughs> Mike said he definitely need an assistant. Bathroom break coming soon. He's referring to uh, the amount of drinking I'm doing. And yeah, I know. I, I can't get up and take a pee. It is very unfortunate. But Tom said to pee, pee in the bottle. I mean, that's that's the obvious choice. If you guys hear a little extra flow, I mean, just, you know, just don't mind me. I am drinking Amstel Light. Yes. <laughs> I need a pee bucket. I know. So how are these uh, awkward sciences going for the for the audio crowd? Sorry people. But it's been uh it's been a hell of a breeding season so far. I have had pretty much everyone's locked so far and it's looking like we'll probably have like eight clutches 10 clutches i don't know i don't count i don't count i just have fun i think that's that, that's a big thing about my snake keeping and breeding is that even though i do pay attention to a lot of things especially with the babies and with selling and stuff like that i'm often pretty pretty lackadaisical with I do record keeping and stuff for the the pairing and all that but I try to keep it fun as far as I'm not trying to look at numbers and see how many is happening and what's going on here and there obviously I want to be prepared on the amount of babies I already got that down especially because I know how many pairs I'm adding I know how many like oh I'm breeding two extra animals this year so expect you know, maybe there's going to be 40 more babies. So we were thinking about corn snake. There's going to be 20 more babies or there could be 60 more babies. We'll see. <laughs> you know, just depends how much you've, you've really grown them up. So Mike said, can you not leave the city at all to go herping? I actually, I took a, I took a long bike ride this weekend. Uh, yesterday, I guess it was. I took a long bike ride. And so, yeah, we can leave. Um, probably technically not supposed to but I, I actually a ribbon snake went out in front of my bike one of the on right when i got on the trail i i put on the brakes i skidded out and dropped the bike and tried to catch him i grabbed him by the tail and he slithered away and uh and then i grabbed from him again and i missed him and then he went into the canal and uh the canal here so if you guys don't know i live in philadelphia and i live in the city so I mean, like right on the outskirts, um, technically the city, but it is getting a little bit less city. And so there's a canal in which this canal is just filled with dropped off red-eared sliders. Like like if, if there is a branch going into the water, there's like 30 turtles basking on it. It's pretty ridiculous. I guess that's what happens in an urban area and people uh, – that's what happens with red-eared sliders, unfortunately. Um, it's kind of the unfortunate truth. But there's also these giant-ass carp that are in there, which are cool to see. And, uh, yeah, a little slice of nature in the city. So, yeah, I can get out of the city. But I could definitely 
all most of the herping that I would want to do is in New Jersey, and New Jersey's pretty closed off. Um, most of the trails, most of the parks, stuff like that are are actually closed. Um, I I really wish I could go. Uh, yesterday was probably a great day for herping. <laughs> and now they're talking about '90s references in there in the chat. What is good, Mark? Thank you for hanging out as well as Darren. What's going on? Mike asks, you remember when MTV played music videos? <laughs> yeah. I think the best was just when you were going, because I now I sleep with music on. And I didn't realize that, like, maybe there was a precursor to that. And I realized that a lot of times when I was younger, I just, I played MTV. Or when it became later, it became MTV2. Because MTV became reality shows. And then MTV2 was music videos. And MTV2 became reruns of old reality shows. And then MTV3, I'm assuming there's MTV3, became music videos. And then they just told music to fuck off, I think. Um, but I used to put on MTV to go to sleep. So I would listen to uh, listen to music while I was going to sleep. Well, listen and watch videos, I suppose. But yeah, and and Darren asked, do they make do they make music videos anymore? Of course, they're on uh, they're super high budget and they're on YouTube, and people make a shit ton of money off of them. I think they're probably just as profitable today, if done right, than uh, as they were back in the day, which is interesting. There was a time there with like the, I mean, Michael Jackson with the Thriller video made, I mean, he made cinematic videos happen or else there was a few, there was also like a few Prince videos and stuff in that generation that really went, went next level. But yeah, for, for a while there, they're like movies going on as well as uh, it's funny. Cause I saw Dallas said, said sabotage and that, that video was done by uh Fuck, why am I skipping on his name? Giant uh, producer. But yeah, he got his break doing music videos. A lot of people got their breaks doing music videos. So that's a weird fucking aside. Why am I talking about this? <laughs> what? <laughs> Wind Serpents asks, what non-snake reptiles are on your wish list, if any? Okay, that's the fucking thing. I said I wouldn't get any snakes, but no one said other reptiles. Okay. So... I have a soft spot for a few things and they all have legs. So the, one of the things that I'm really interested in is morning geckos. Why am I interested in morning geckos? Because they're parthenogenic, meaning that they give virgin birth. So females produce on their own without necessarily being bred. Super, super interesting. Not necessarily without being bred at all, but, and they're pretty simple to keep. And I think that, that would be a cool thing to both keep on hand in order to scent rodents for corn snakes and different colubrids, because sometimes you need some a little bit of lizard scent there. And I don't want to keep it knolls because a knolls usually means crickets. So I, I thought that that would be an interesting thing. Maybe I can uh, maybe I can raise a knolls on isopods. What do you guys think? That might be possible. I'm so smart sometimes. What do you, someone in the chat is gonna be like they're lethal to isop or to to a knolls? No, definitely not. But but yeah, so that, that's why I don't, that's why I wouldn't mess with, I would choose the morning geckos and see if I could, 
which is going to be obviously not a a native prey in comparison to the knoll, which is going to be a native prey for for the corn snakes, which makes it really really good for scenting. But uh, yeah, I need I need a small lizard species to scent uh, for baby corn snakes and different baby colubrids because some can be a little bit of a pain. But also, I've really always wanted I've always wanted cyclora. I've and I've had I've had Tinosaurus, which is the spiny tail iguana. Uh, I had the Honduran spiny tail, the Honduran black chested spiny tail iguana, the Tinosaurus melanosterna. I, I had that for uh, for a couple of years. I loved that animal. His name is Louis. Um, he had this weird like this dewlap with like this pied appearance. So uh, those Honduran Tinosaurus, they kind of have a generally like low pied appearance. They'll have random like patches and super super amazing animals they're a little bit sketchy um eventually i got him to the fact and he loved any type of protein he would just go wild so i got him to the fact where i could you know get him up on my arms or get him up on my hands it's not an animal that you're gonna sit there and pet him on the head you're so cute but uh but it was an animal that was both challenging and rewarding in the way that it eventually warmed up to me he definitely knew me in comparison to to other people and he he just got comfortable which i thought was really cool which i really really want to do again what am i going to do that with cyclora and living in pa um i feel kind of guilty to even to think about it to be honest if i had if if i had a bigger place really it's if i had if i didn't mind putting the enclosure in the living room or in my bedroom maybe but otherwise most of my most of my rooms taken up by uh shipping supplies is is one whole room now it's all shipping supplies all tape all different packing materials stuff like that and then one room is the snake room and then the other one's my bedroom so the snake rooms not full but i like where it is because the the collection fluctuates so much so Right now it's empty, you know, there's 75 animals and then there'll be over 300 animals. And then you're like, oh, damn, I have to, you know, and then it's full all of a sudden. So, but yeah, I, I really want as a Lewis I hybrid or the Grand Cayman Iguana, which also people may know as like the, the blue uh, Grand Cayman Iguana. They are a like powdery blue color. And I believe it's the males it is that that have red eyes, which is just Come on, man. A powder blue animal with red eyes. That's the coolest. And I haven't seen as many uh, tractable animals as I've seen rhino iguanas, but I've also seen some pretty tractable uh, and handleable Grand Cayman iguanas. And I think that that would be a really interesting animal to try. Um, and I just want a... I just want a lizard that acts like a dog. Why not? Maybe that's... Uh, Dixie's nine years old. So if she ever dies, and she won't because uh, she'll live forever. So whatever. But if she ever died, you know, in a weird accident, then then maybe I would do that. And I would have a little roaming cyclora. That's what always got me about uh, when I lived in Denver. Or no, I was living in Boulder at the time. I I went to this reptile rescue. I didn't, I, I volunteered there for a little bit. And they just had like a roaming Cuban iguana, Nubula, Cyclora Nubula. Um, there's probably a better way to say that. But it always got me like, 
we're this worried about husbandry, but this thing's just going all around the house. Like where like there there was a hot spot, but it's choosing most of the time to like chill on the couch, or, like chill on the coffee table. And we're all worried about the hot spots and stuff. But yeah, I think that's it's an interesting idea to have just a roaming, uh roaming cyclora. Um it's probably not good if like you wanna have someone over or yeah, it's kind of hard to explain if you want to have a like if you meet a girl and you bring her home and you come home to a fucking you open the door and your fucking cyclor is on the on the coffee table. That's that's an issue. That is not something I would I would be taken back by that. So I mean, I am weird and I embrace that in a lot of in a lot of ways, but I like to keep everything uh, in one room or something like that. Um, having things loose is next level. I really want to do it though. Yeah. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Maybe you'll see me one day with a, uh, a roaming cyclora. I think so. So Dallas asks, are you using any kind of rocks in your reptile room, whether they be homemade? I'm guessing he means racks or from a large supplier, or are you sticking with deli cups instead? I'm guessing he's, he's talking for babies. Um, I wish I wish I had baby racks. I should really make some or do something like that because it it would make my life so much easier. But I have been doing like Chinese takeout containers as well as deli cups. So that's where I'm at at this very moment. Maybe one day when I'm a rich man, I can uh, I can upgrade to to a baby rack because I can imagine pulling out some tubs is a lot easier than opening a bunch of Tupperwares. Um, last year, I was getting like so many cuts on my fingers just from opening up the deli cups, which really sucks when you're because uh, they're they're actually kind of they're actually kind of thin. So I would get like these almost like it acted like a paper cut and they would cut my fingers and I had a shit ton of cuts and it sucks when you climb and you put chalk on and you try to grab on the things. But anyway, that's my life, you know? So I was like, yeah, maybe not do the deli cups. Uh, the Chinese takeout containers have a little, have a little lip that I can pull up on. So I'm going to use those deli cups are, are kind of a no go from, from here on out. Oh yeah. Wind serpent said if she was going to let something roam, it would be a black and white tegu. I've, I've been tempted by black and white tegus as well. Um, what I do like about Cyclora in comparison to the to the black and white tegu is they're just more nimble. And in my opinion, no, I wouldn't say that they're more cool looking. Uh, black and white, I saw a beautiful, like a very stark black and white animal. I believe it was at New Orleans. And James said, and we both said, whoa, like, like how many tegus have we seen? And how many black and white tegus have we seen? in our days a lot argentines whatever this animal was like whoa that is something different looking that is something amazing looking it is so white so black beautiful animal but they they eat a tremendous amount so uh, that's why it's gonna be a no for me dog but uh and and cyclora they have uh they have a Missouri diet. They they have an iguana diet. So I use that a bit as well as leafy greens and stuff like that. So that can that can really really lower the burden on on having to to mess with all these different meats and all these different greens and stuff like that that you're gonna be messing with for the tegu. Um yeah, it's just it's a it's a lot for me to be honest. Um 
when I, when I had the Tina Sora, I would take the Missouri pellets and I would soak them for a little bit just to soften them up. And then I put his leafy greens and, and some fruits on, and stuff like that on top. And, uh, and yeah, I really loved doing that. And, uh, hopefully maybe, maybe one day I'll, maybe one day I'll get another. This whole conversation is making me realize that I definitely need to get one, but yeah. Now I have no one telling me no guys. Oh. So sorry, I'm not 100% how to say your name. I believe it's Xphere. Xphere. Cyclora over everything. I have two and wouldn't trade them for anything. That's awesome that you have two Cyclora. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would just, I would love to, That that's one of the appealing things about living somewhere where it's warm, where you can have a seasonal enclosure, at the very least a seasonal enclosure outside for them. I would, I would love to... Even if I had them in PA, even if I had one in PA, I would love to at least give it, you know, a month or two outside. Although I'm not sure how how good that would be for it because quite frankly, it's it may get 90 uh, during the day, but it will probably get in the in the 60s at night. So I don't know. But I just there's something about natural sunlight that I hate to to keep from from an animal like that. Because it just seems so natural out there basking out in the sun. So so eh, I feel a little weird. Darren said that you can put a stripper pole and snakes in every room now. I'm not sure exactly why I need a stripper pole. Um, I won't use it. And I guess that, that essentially, you're insinuating that I would have a stripper. But I don't have that kind of money, man. It's a lot of dollar bills. Especially to make a house call. Come on. It's crazy. <laughs> Although Mike said he would party here just for the chicks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Uh, it's kind of weird being uh, all alone. And, and especially with, with the reptiles, I am honestly a lot more disciplined than, than you would think as far as that goes. Um, I won't go out there and, and get a little bit too big for my britches type of thing because I, I know my limits. I think that's the thing about keeping snakes for a while. And I'm sure, you know, people like like Mike in the in the comments section know that very well as well because he's probably had his collection fluctuate and go up and he's like, oh, I don't want that many snakes. And I've had the same thing. You know, oh my God, I don't want to produce that many snakes. I don't want to keep that many snakes. And that's just what happens, so. Yeah. So, so it's, it's not as tempting to go out and, and kind of hoard all the animals. Although there were those times before where I would go to a reptile show and I'm like, ah, oh, I like that, but it's not worth the, the ear beating <laughs> to get it. Oh. So who knows, you know, but I'm also finding a lot more time to, to get outside and get in nature and I, I need to I need to have a life outside of reptiles too but hey yeah I'm not sure exactly what she's speaking of but wind serpent said I worked at max and now I'm trying to figure out if that's a strip club that's a weird strip club name max but then again it is it seems like it'd be a strip club name you learn really quick when you, what you can have. Oh, reptiles. By the <laughs> I was like, I thought that was it. Sorry. 
you're you're clearly not a a stripper. I'm sorry. You're a nice lady. Um, she said you worked at Reptiles by Mac. Well, talking about overwhelm. That's wow. What did you do there? Um, Michael Siggy said, sometimes I think of my small collection like a fantasy football team. There's some players I will always have. There, <laughs> there are others that I go with what I think will work best for me to pay the feeding bill. Yeah, I mean, that you kind of have to have a little dose of reality in there as well. Um, obviously, I can't keep all black rat snakes or gray rat snakes or things that people don't necessarily that don't catch people's eye and stuff like that. So uh, it's probably good to have things that people want. You know, it may be a good idea to produce Mexican black king snakes instead of a hundred Baird's rat snakes looking at you, Justin. No, just kidding. Dallas, thanks for hanging out. I will, uh, I'll see you later. Lego girl. Is it Italy? Hi. Um, wow. So she cared for about 2,500 baby colubrids for 40 hours a week. Uh, at Reptiles by Mac. Damn, that is so difficult. 2,500. Honestly, I thought that they would have a lot more than 2,500 babies. Um, I know quite a... I'm, but I'm sure that's 2,500 that's fluctuating. There's animals coming in and coming out, coming in, coming out. That is just all about, oh, yeah, and she's coming on the podcast next week. So I'm sure we can talk all about it. So maybe let's not uh, let's not wear out this subject so much. Dude, I did not know that you worked there. That is wild. Holy shit. What do you do as a day job now? Um, Jay-Z's Reptiles asked, do you have any Trans-Pecos? So Trans-Pecos rat snakes are super amazing. Subcularis? Subox? What's their... Hmm. I wish I was better at what the genus is, right? The species subak. I don't know. I'm not that, obviously I'm not that deep into it, but I really, really love Transpagos rat It's a little bit too big for me. Um, I do love the morphs. I think there's an exanthic and then there's that, what's the one that blonde. So there's like exanthic blondes that are just fucking crazy looking. Um, they're also super attentive. Um, pretty fast and pretty eyesight oriented in comparison to a lot of others, a lot of other uh, captive species. So yeah, they're super, super, super cool. I would love to, I guess silver, is that what they're called? Is that what the example is called? Silver? Uh, Jay-Z said silvers are awesome. Uh, but I almost, I almost bought one uh, a few years ago um, from, from VMS. And I don't know why I didn't when I was in Dallas. And uh, I was literally about to buy one, but they didn't have an exanthic blonde that was that was in stock at the time. So there you go. Wrong, wrong time, wrong place, wrong time. I don't know. But it's like sometimes sometimes you have you're ready to buy something, especially with reptiles. It, it's maybe not necessarily impulse, but something you always wanted. And then like you get a random it may be 11 at night. It may be, you know, some weird downtime. You're like you get this weird itch. And you're like, what's going on with those exanthic blondes, trans-pecos, rat snakes? And then you go to try to find them, and then you can't find them. And then you kind of forget about it, and then you never get them. In that way, that's kind of when you go to buy a snake, I think it's always good to at least do the 24-hour rule. Meaning, oh, I really want that. I really love that. 
do you really though think about it for a little while wait for that initial that initial excitement to wear off and then see if you really really want them but uh yeah transpagos rat snakes i wouldn't be surprised if i if i eventually uh if i eventually get some of those same with same with transpagos same with pretty much any north american rat snake so lucas asked in the chat i have a question for you it's a little off topic do you think the teenagers today are selfish by being ageist towards people who are over 25 years old i think that's hilarious that you're saying young people and you're saying over 25 years old insinuating people over 25 years old aren't young people because as someone who's 28 all of my friends especially in this community are like 45 uh, most of my friends are 35 and older um especially in the in the snake community so so i'm usually the young one so it's funny that someone to say that and sometimes i do feel old i grew a beard though at least i got that going for me but do i think it's i mean kids are kids man that's the thing people think that that kids are like more selfish kids are more entitled today all this other stuff no man how were you when you were 13 you were a little dickhead i mean they're just being kids. Same with even uh, even these college kids that are that are partying on the beaches. I mean, when I was eighteen or 20, 18 to twenty one, was I really thinking about how I was affecting other people all the time, especially drinking on the beach during spring break? No, you're just out there looking for girls, or girls are looking for dudes. You're drinking, you're doing all this stuff, you're partying. It's not that they're selfish. It's not that they're. It's that they're distracted because they're young and uh, hormones. So, uh, so yeah, I don't think, I don't, I disparage that very strongly. But would that not be me at eighteen years old? I don't know. I don't know. I was an idiot when I was eighteen years old. No offense to all those people who are eighteen years old, but that's that's how life is you mature and you and you move on so no i don't think i don't think they're necessarily more selfish than anything but yeah all young people are selfish that's that's how it works um but yeah that's a fun question <laughs> that's something i've definitely never talked about on here so lego girl should crested geckos eat crickets or powdered mixed with water so um i i did have crested geckos for a little bit for a little bit and uh i bred them and all that good stuff uh i i did powdered mix with insects i believe it was ooh so there's rapashi and then the one that i use wasn't pangea it was not pangea there was a there's another one someone help me in the chat but anyway it was uh i did the powder mix with insects and it it worked very well and uh but most people say that you should supplement with some type of uh, with one, some type of insect. So yeah, so maybe powder diet with crickets every a couple times a week. Someone help me here. I'm not I'm not the best with with crested geckos, but uh, but yeah, that that should pretty much do it. Beer. Atrox Army. Thank you for hanging out. I hope you are well as well and staying healthy out there. Everyone out there, anyone who's listening to this. Man, have you guys uh, – I know it's, it's weird that there's different states everywhere that 
have different regulations. So here we're like, we're messing with, we go to the, the grocery store, you're in a line for a half hour, you have to wear, you don't necessarily have to wear a face mask, but everyone, everyone looks at you weird if you're not wearing a face mask, like look at this asshole. Um, kind of goes back to being young and selfish. Don't be young and without a face mask. I see some, I see some old people out here without face masks. I'm just like, fuck, <laughs> they don't give one fuck, and like respect to that, whatever. But, uh, but if, if you're younger and you're doing it just because you think you're immune, that's kind of dickish and not thinking about other people. But yeah, maybe it was Pangea that I used. By the way, now that the the chat can't come up with anything else, that sounds like a blah blah blah. That sounds like something that I know. Um, Lego girl said, uh, "Can you still breed them with their tails off?" So, so a lot of people call those frog butts, those those crested geckos, and yeah, you can breed them with their when this, once their tail fell, falls off, then they will have normal babies with tails. Yep. Yeah. Um, so many of them have their tail fall off in one way or another, especially breeding. Give it a little bit of weird. Um, males can be a little bit aggressive. It's funny that the answer that I gave is exactly what what Jennifer Strickland <laughs> gave gave in the in the chat. So thank you, Jennifer. So Lucas said here in Connecticut, you need a face mask in the supermarket. Yeah, you don't need it here, but like I said, people look at you weird if you if you don't have them on. I also like I'm trying not to touch too many things and do like if I see someone pick up a fruit and look at it and put it back, I'm like. Uh -huh. I also I also do it too. It's like I'm not gonna buy this this fruit this half fucked up fruit. Mike Kosicki said, "Weren't you building a new enclosure for the olive python?" Yes, I was. It's actually right there. Um, I've been falling behind on it because kind of like that's like I said with everything else. I'm trying not to spend excess money that I don't necessarily need to. But I hope to have that done soon. It's mostly done. Everything's pretty much all good to go. Um, I want to put some molding on the outside. And then I just need heating element and that's it. So yeah, I'm super close, but also keep in mind that it's eight feet and kind of with my rules that I said before, no living room and no bedroom. I think I'm going to put it in the bedroom because <laughs> I have, I have nowhere else to, to put this thing. Um, Cause eight feet of wall space, wall space. So in Philly, everything's a row house. So that means that, your houses are skinny. People used to pay taxes based on how much sidewalk they, they took up. So people built and developers built skinny houses. And mine has like these weird like chimney-like things. I don't know how to explain it. But basically, it is – there's no flat walls. <laughs> They're just like – like weird protrusions going on and, and nothing's 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 uniform. So finding an eight foot wall is really difficult. So so that's why I may have to do the bedroom because uh, that has an eight foot wall. And plus it's empty. I mean it's pretty damn empty. And yes, Darren, this is definitely gonna change <laughs> change the way of life long term. I mean I think people are just going to have a whole new awareness for what can happen and a whole new appreciation for the freedoms that we have here. And man, guys, don't go out and protest <laughs> talking about freedoms. Uh, that's cringy. 
Um, Lori, has shipping reptiles been affected during the pandemic? I got sent some um, just before the mandatory stay-at-home orders. So I have been shipping. I've shipped a couple of reptiles. I did have one that was delayed 24 hours. And it was a, a year old corn snake, so it really wasn't a big deal. And and she just she got through just fine. But yeah, we, we are seeing some delays. Even USPS, when I'm sending out isopods and stuff like that, I'm seeing longer uh, longer ship times than usual. Uh, most things are still on time, but there's definitely a little bit higher rate of uh, of delays. And I think that's just because so many people are stuck in their houses, so they need to buy everything online. So therefore, there's just an extra volume going out on, on shipping, and it's uh, I wouldn't be completely scared to to ship a snake right now, especially a corn snake, because the time of the year is pretty decent for them, all that good stuff. So, um, so yeah, I don't think it's out of the question, but yeah, it's definitely extra precaution. Um, I believe shipping reptiles, at least when I was shipping, they were only giving live insurance Monday through Wednesday, if you shipped on those days, because if you shipped on Thursday, they were pretty confident that it may get delayed and stuck over the weekend. And that's obviously an issue, but I think they actually rolled that back to having no live in, arrival insurance at all. So, so it's kind of ship at your own risk. Um, I can do that because it's a corn snake. And at the end of the day, they brew made at 55 degrees. So unless they are somewhere ridiculous, uh, we should be good. I just, I will I will ship to fair weather places right now, or at least a little bit more fair weather. I shipped to Texas uh, last week, and, and that was just fine. And then I shipped. Uh, where else did I ship? I don't remember right off the top of my head, but it was somewhere. Uh, it wasn't Minnesota. Let's let's put it that way. Although I did ship some isopods out there. It's pretty difficult. Um, so Don Gallagher asked, "Do you breed corn snakes?" Yes, I do. Singing Star asks, where can I go see the available reptiles? So you can go to portcitypythons.com, but I am sold out for the year pretty much besides random things I put up on uh, on Instagram stories. But uh, those are all snatched up as well. Um, but you can go check out morphmarket.com. There's a lot of really cool animals there as well as uh, fauna classifieds. Thank you, Lucas, for hanging out. And, uh, ooh, wind serpents, get reptiles to you for life. Ooh. Those are fighting words. Now I, I don't, I don't really have. I, I respect all of the the shipping companies. They're all pretty much doing the same thing. Besides the fact that I've just been with Shipping Reptiles for so long, I've been shipping with them for probably seven years, and the amount of customer service, uh, the live arrival insurance, the fact that they were always willing to get on the phone and stuff like that. I, I really enjoy that. I also get a pretty good rate. But hey, you know. Uh, Lego girl said, where do you ship from? I ship from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And, uh, yeah, as far as, as far as shipping reptiles go, the more you ship, the better rate you get at this point, I should probably just have a rate with FedEx themselves. I think you can, you can get approved as a live animal shipper. I know some people have, have done that. So, uh, but yeah, I, I need to do that for myself eventually. I'm not sure exactly what the threshold is, uh, how much you need to ship in order for it to be to be uh, worth it for you. But I haven't looked up uh, too much. Wind service said, oh yeah, and I uh, Debbie's customer service has been remarkable and her prices are usually the cheapest. So um, I actually met Debbie at uh, Herb's New Orleans. Uh, she's a really nice, real nice lady. Um, but yeah, I didn't really get into it as well as, uh, I like, uh, Mike Arnold of what's the other 
someone help uh, dude i suck at i suck at coming up with the other companies uh another reptile shipping company but yeah there's there's a lot of good companies out there they all do similar things uh but maybe i should look into uh the reptiles to you because i heard that is there free pickup with reptiles to you that's the one thing uh with with shipping reptiles i usually pay five dollars for shipping and uh dante thank you for hanging out i will uh, catch you next time Do you always come to Tinley though? So I do usually go to October Tinley. Um, I don't usually go to the spring Tinley, which has been canceled anyway. And then I heard that they rescheduled it and then it got canceled again. Um, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent, not a hundred percent sure, but yeah, I definitely always go to the fall Tinley. That is really the big Tinley. That's the one where everyone gets together. That's the one that, I mean, if there's anything that is like, it's, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just like a giant event where all the people that you've ever heard of in the reptile community gather all in one space at one time. You can see people that you're like, oh my God, you can fangirl on people and do all that stuff. So it's, it's nice just to see all the people who come out for it, all the great YouTubers, podcasters, breeders, keepers, um, you know, and you get to meet a bunch of like-minded people. It's one of the only places on earth where you can be with thousands of people who are into the, the same thing with that you are. Lego Girl Italy asks, will you collaborate with Snake Discovery when this is over? So um, last Tinley, uh, we did a, or I did a video, we did a video with with Snake Discovery. Uh, we were just in it for a little bit. And then as well as uh, we've had Emily and Ed on the podcast and I would love to do it again. Yeah. So I'm sure we will. We will again in the future because uh, Emily and Ed, they're great and they're doing great things. And really that's that's one of the the reptile YouTube channels that really has their heart in the right place. And I really respect that. And I, I think honestly most do at this point. Um there was a little there's a little weird, weird years there for for a little bit, but now it, it all really depends on what what YouTube deems as good content. So a lot of times you think that people are doing, and this has nothing to do with Emily and Ed, by the way, I'm moving on. Um, but you'll see other people, not Emily and Ed, who, who just put out content according to what the algorithm um, says. So they may be reacting to this this week. They may be unboxing, they may be egg cutting. And most of that is honestly just because they know what's getting views at the time or they know what the algorithm's picking up at the time. For a while, the algorithm was picking up giant python or giant python almost eats me so everything was named fucking giant python almost eats me bullshit so it's like they were rewarded for that so that's the videos they made i don't necessarily fault those people i wouldn't do it but whatever and so and now it seems like it's going a long way just being wholesome consistent and uh decent human beings and i, I like that that part of youtube but who knows i mean you're seeing a lot of these free handling uh, venomous people that are getting very popular now. So that's obviously being rewarded. So uh, you may see some of more of that too. So if, if it's not uh, giant man eating pythons in quotations, it may be a uh, fucking, I don't know, free handle your gaboon viper or do weird, uh, weird dancing with your King Cobra. I don't know, but uh, everyone's just doing their own thing. So, who am I to judge? They have more followers than me. Wah, wah, wah. 
singing star. I was just watching Tinley and I saw you. Well, thanks. And I thank you for uh, coming and hanging out because it's funny that you just saw that and then you caught a live stream at the same time. Mike Kosicki said, I hate egg cutting. How dare you, sir? It may... Egg cutting is kind of kind of a weird thing. As uh, when I did breed ball pythons, I I cut eggs mostly because in in 2012 everyone cut eggs. That was like the cool thing to do. Now now it's like half of the people are are cool with it, half of them aren't. It's weird that it's weird that these phases of things that are cool now or or are okay to do go in and out of style. Meaning like people on YouTube, as far as the 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 general viewing public loves that free handling stuff. The general reptile community hates it. Go back to Steve Irwin, who was you know free handling every venomous snake he ever saw. We're cool with that. So it, it's kind of situational, and I, I kind of find I find it kind of silly because I've seen too many of these these things that we get up on our high horse about turning the other way. So. Just a few years ago, everyone who bred a python was egg cutting. Now, half of the people hate it. Half of the people love it. Most of the people are just like, hey, bro, just pip that egg a little bit. And then you don't need to make a giant window. You don't need to scoop a, a baby out of an egg. Um, you don't need to go brewer on her. And then, but if you just give it a, a little slit just to make sure that, that you're good to go, maybe that's okay. Once Once one egg pips, I think it's okay to to maybe pip the other ones. It's not a big deal. I don't do it because corn snake eggs are too small. It's a pain in the butt. So yeah. So sorry, do you say your name Elias or Elliot? I don't, I don't know. I, I always mess up that name. But he said, let's discuss go herping. Oh, seems like a nice kid. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's funny because uh, that, that kind of goes with the last answer is he's surrounded by a bunch of drama based on the content he puts out, which really isn't that terrible, but he's been pretty vocal against some pillars of the, of the reptile community. And he's allowed to do that. And I think it's interesting. I think his content's great as far as uh, his production value, all that stuff going on. It, it's great. Um, I thought it was interesting that, the path he took to to starting his business or at least the business he was doing for a little bit um he was basically like flipping craigslist animals but i don't know if you do it in a way that he wasn't doing it in a dirtbag way he was making it work he wasn't making a ton of money i, th I think i think what i think what separates that for me from like feeling bad about it is the fact that first of all, he was packing them as well as he could. He was trying to care for them as well as he could, all that stuff. And he was also very organized about it. And I also knew just looking at it, uh, just an observation. I was like, there's no way he's making that much money on this. Um, and I think most, especially younger people will look at that like, Oh, he's making so much money. Cause like a couple hundred dollars is a lot of money. But to me, I'm like, Oh, he's really not making that much money. So is this really like he's not doing it for the money? Um, so yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting. It was an interesting business model, all that stuff. He's very creative, and I, I thought it was thought it was interesting. But yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think he's bad or good or whatever. He's just a human trying to uh, do human things. 
like we all are just trying to trying to do our thing and he's trying to spread his love for reptiles which i think is a very noble thing to do so yeah and yeah just like just like someone else said in the chat he's young so it's like um give me a youtube channel at 16 i mean you gave me one at uh at like 25 and i was a dickhead i'm sure <laughs> still am <laughs> so so yeah man just uh and and you can get you can get kind of swept up in in the emotions of, of everything going on in this community and especially when you're young with all that pressure i couldn't even imagine it i don't even want that shit now that's why it's like people ask do you want to be like a, a youtuber all this stuff i don't no man i don't want like just hanging out with with emily for a second at tinley oh my god almost gave me a damn panic attack how many little children i don't know what the fuck to say to children yeah it's like but she's constantly being you know being saying hi and stuff like this to different children and it's like uh children adults everyone taking pictures with everyone and she's amazing about it I don't know how she does it. It's not for me. That's not really my thing. And I'm not I'm not completely introverted, but I am definitely more introverted as far as uh, I I don't really want the limelight, which seems stupid because I've been talking for fucking 2 hours to a computer screen, but hey, you know. I hope this is at least mediocrely entertaining as a podcast cuz there's a lot of pauses, there's a lot of this, there's a lot of drinking beer, so uh sorry. There's also zero topic, and I'm just going absolutely everywhere. So, <laughs> I feel like Mike is now, he's just going to whip out the controversial topics and see if I've had enough beers to to say something about it. So uh, Mike Kosicki said, uh, what about those invasive species uh, keeping ban in Florida? I don't know. Once again, I want I want everyone to be able to do their thing and and keep the animals that they love and uh and doing all that so of course i want to see people able to own those animals but then again in florida maybe it's not the best place to own those animals um maybe you can get a different animal i mean it's really not it's really not the end of the world uh i'm not exactly one of those doom and gloom they take one thing they'll take everything kind of people but maybe i should be maybe i shouldn't be i don't know um that's not I don't want to say because it is my place to worry about as far as our community and, and the animals that we can keep. Um, but yeah, I don't really have much opinion. But the fact is that I think the environment will be a better place without us adding animals to it. So that's why uh, that's just my opinion. And, it, and that doesn't mean that like, I want the industry to go down in Florida or whatever. No, it's not like that. I just, I, I typically side on the, on the side of the environment, uh, pretty much no matter what happens, because I think at the end of the day, that is what sustains us. That is what keeps us alive. And we could certainly ruin it to the point in which we are totally fucked. And listen, green iguanas won't do that, but you know, plenty of other things will. And I don't want us to be contributing to anything that can be seen as negative because that just negatively affects all of us. Meaning that all this talk about, about 
animals in the Everglades, invasive reptiles in particular, even though there's invasive everything, there's so many invasive plants, there's so many invasive insects, there's so many invasive, absolutely everything in Florida. Anything you can think that lives, it's good. It's a good home for. It's Florida, man. It's amazing. But what are you going to do? Um, so it's just... It's going to happen, but but anything that happens down there affects us, and it just makes us look bad. So if if it's banned and I never have to see, even if, like, I wish berms are banned so they could stop. Not banned. Uh, I wish berms if, – if I could have berms banned in Florida, which, I mean, they are pretty much. They're just licensed. And that would get the heat off of everyone saying, you know, oh, the reptile, you know, the pet trade releases, blah, blah, blah. It would be worth it because I think that ultimately we need to watch out for how the pet trade is portrayed. Like this could all go down as far as reptiles and amphibians and all that stuff. So I want to I want to at least keep our I want to be able to sell a damn corn snake to a damn eight year old. I mean, that is important to me Um, more so than a green iguana, which is a terrible pet to almost anyone. Um, I understand there's people have financial investments in that and, uh, they've also smuggled things and been scumbags. So, uh, they can go fuck themselves. Hey, Florida. Um, so (laughs) Jennifer said, uh, the lionfish are nightmare in Florida. Yes. Have you ever seen those tail bar bar lionfish? Uh, a lot of people spearfish them now in Florida, and I believe uh, restaurants serve them. But it's it's an invasive. I believe they're venomous too. Fish, uh, lionfish, super cool, super cool looking animal. But a, an animal that was kept in a lot of saltwater aquariums and stuff like that is now invasive in Florida, and they're all over the place. Um, even Mike said that there's lionfish off the coast here in North Carolina, which is crazy. That is crazy. Lego girl says she's 10 and I feel bad for cursing. Sorry. Don't, don't listen to me. But yeah, Mike, Mike said that, uh, tegus can travel North and yeah, that, that's the whole thing. Um, it's not the green iguanas are honestly are banished to South Florida, but the, the tegus can brewmate and there's actually a group of tegus in Georgia and that is not a good sign. And so, if we can nip that in the bud in some way, I think that that's very important for us to do because if there are, you know, North Carolina tegus, uh, Tennessee tegus, all this different stuff, that does not look good for us. I do not. Listen, it's cute to have this. Everyone should be able to keep everything. But also, I don't want one thing, one species, one species. You can keep a rhino iguana. Okay. Like, keep a rhino iguana instead of a tegu. I mean, I don't know. I don't want run, wh- our love for one species to, to sacrifice everything. Um, Tom, too, said, we need a new Netflix doc, The Lizard King. I know. And I think, okay. So think about the, the beginning of the Lion King movie. Um, Lion King. What the fuck am I talking about? Tiger King? Um, Tom Crutchfield was obviously in the front of it and try to think, um, Joe exotic wasn't there. No one was there. Um, that guy, the, what's his name? Mark. What is his, damn it. Mark Cavanaugh. What is his name? But basically a guy, a guy who has an animal rescue as a tiger 
was there and they filmed it. But Mike McCarthy, McCarthy, is that his name? Sorry, guys. But this is, uh, there was no reason for them to be there. It had nothing to do with the plot. So part of me thinks, why were they filming at Tom Crutchfield? Was it for Tiger King or was it for something else? <laughs> they just added it last minute. Ah, you never know. Because the only point of that scene was to say that a tiger went into a van that was hot or something, which wasn't even really that true. Um, so, yeah. So, I think that someone's already thinking of that. But I don't know for sure. It's just that I like to, uh, I like to theorize. Oh, no. Jennifer said that her 10-year-old daughter listens to this. So there, there's two 10-year-olds listening to this. Oh, no. These kind of things make me reconsider. And then, yeah, Mike said that those tegus obviously aren't good for native reptile and birds because, I mean, they eat almost, especially in the wild, they eat so many eggs. Um, and it's really, really, uh, it's really, really destructive, especially when, it's different when an animal has to actually catch live prey. Um, it's different when they can raid a whole nest and screw a whole year of uh, of reproduction for an animal. Damn. So so Casey Cannon made a really good point. He said Argentine tegus live in the same environment as fire ants. So most likely they can probably live everywhere the fire ants can. Now listen, microclimates are going to be totally different for those two animals. But think about how big of a problem fire ants are. Um, especially Florida, Texas, everywhere throughout the South. Imagine you can have tegus everywhere there. So everyone be, uh, I mean, that's the thing. Like no one that's listening to this podcast is someone who's going to let a tegu go. It's the person who, you know, is uneducated and doesn't have, doesn't have enough room for the animal. doesn't want to care for it throughout its whole lifetime, gets bigger than expected, blah, blah, blah. So it's hard to say don't do that because uh, we're not the ones doing that. Those are other people. Um, so Lego girl asks, would you like to own a Bushmaster? Now, Bushmasters are probably one of the most iconic animals you could ever imagine, as well as uh, we've had we've had Randall Berry on here who actually produced Bushmasters. It was really, really cool. He bred and produced Bushmasters. Um, they are amazing animals. They um, There's a book called uh, Bushmaster by not by, but about Raymond Dittmars, which is kind of interesting. It's a, it's a little bit of a snoozer in comparison to some of the books, but but I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, Bushmaster is not something that I would keep myself. It is uh, no most venomous unless it's a copperhead and not something I'd keep myself. Maybe a rhino viper, but I mean, I really wouldn't. I say that I would, and I live in a state that I could, but I really just wouldn't. Um, I like to I like to relax when I when I take out my animals when I clean my animals. I don't want to have to be in tune and not die. Um, you know, I do that. Honestly, I, I rock climb and stuff like that. So that's when I get my adrenaline. I don't need my adrenaline to be uh, at the end of uh, two fangs. So yeah, but that's just me. So sorry, guys, I'm trying to read. Wow. Dan, Dan took a nap and he's still here. Lego girl, you can't talk about me finishing my beer. You're 10 years old. This is getting more and more offensive. She said, you keep drinking and not finishing. This is not <laughs> so uh, someone asked, 
and sorry, I can't get get up to your uh, thing again. But they asked, will I ever uh, collab with Dave Kaufman? Well, we've had him on the podcast. So, yeah. And I've met Dave quite a few times. The only thing is that uh, he's actually pretty cool about not being that guy who just films everywhere. Um, which I think most snake people actually appreciate, especially especially with people especially at gatherings with people who are usually pretty shy, which is pretty snake and reptile people. It's like, uh, you don't always want to be filmed. I don't always want to be filmed. I almost, when people come up to me randomly, I do really bad, really bad on camera, to be honest. I get pretty nervous and pretty anxious. So I need to be like mentally prepared and know what's going on and, and have everything in a row to, to make sure that, that we're straight and uh, that I know what I'm doing. So. That's kind of a, but I'm getting away from the question. So would I ever, I would love to collaborate with Dave. You just got to tell him to collaborate with me. <laughs> Next time we hang out, comment on, on every single video. Please collab with Port City Pythons or Joe. Joe doesn't really work though. It's very nondescript. It's unfortunate. Thanks, mom. She's in the chat, so. Ooh, getting Mark O'Shea on the podcast was crazy. Uh, we should do a Mark O'Shea again. I think I, I, I should hit him up. I think we can do it again. Um, damn, was that the best moment of my life? Talking about talking about someone who is completely on a pedestal, not only because he had an Animal Planet show around the time that Steve Irwin did, Jeff Corwin did, all, the, all my heroes, but also the fact that he's actually a herpetologist, actually doing amazing work out there and uh yeah man i just he's he was not one of the only people with the intelligence level and also the social acumen that i've ever seen he's the most literate entertaining intelligent person you'll 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 stumble across a lot of uh, a lot of very intelligent people that aren't exactly storytellers that aren't the most um, comfortable and stuff like that. And that's unfortunate because that, that tends to happen. Like IQ and EQ seem to be, uh, oftentimes opposites of each other. It's, so like people with very, very high IQ may not have very high EQ, but he has very high both. And he's just super entertaining, super, just fucking nice to me. Like as soon as I messaged him, he got back to me kind of thing and just talked to me like I was his friend and, I mean, I can't thank him enough just for coming on. It was absolutely amazing and absolutely one of the best things that's ever happened in my life, to be honest. After it was weird because I really wasn't nervous for that show. I was I was kind of putting it out of my mind. And then after it happened, I just fucking paced around the house for like three hours. Um, that's when I started my, my mouse uh, my mouse colony and stuff like that. Cause I couldn't stay still. And I was like, Oh damn, I need to go get to the pet store and just start setting up these mice. Cause I need something to do. Cause I was so pumped. Um, I was just so like amped up and, and he talked to me like a half hour before the show and like an hour after the show, it was amazing. And I still have, I still have that last hour of our show recorded, but I didn't put it out. So, uh, maybe, maybe one day. Um, but yeah, I need to get him on again. Cause that was just absolutely amazing. Okay, so I saw another question in there. 
let's see so uh, yeah mike said joe had me at kathy love that was also one of the one of those people that uh and bill as well as just kind of legends in our industry and stuff, especially for corn snake people and just a nice person. And uh, Tom too asked, am I still breeding mice? Yeah, I have a colony and I just, I keep them for live, basically live pinkies. Um, they are kind of getting older. So I need to start refreshing and recycling some, some animals. Um, Cause they do, I think live like three years or so. I don't know. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so yeah, I've had them for about a year and a half, two years. I don't know when was that Marco Shea podcast, um, but yeah. Um, so Elias said I sent him some questions about his uh, field experience with Timor pythons, and he answered within a day. I freaked out talking about Marco Shea. Yeah, he's the man. He's he's just the man. Boo to do boo boo. Yeah, and his uh his book, Work of Snakes, I believe he just came up with like uh, Lizards of the World or something like that, which is super, super cool as well. It's a, it's a new one. I need to pick it up. But yeah, he's he's not only had an amazing uh Animal Planet show, he's had amazing books. He's found rough scaled pythons in the wild, like one of the only people to find rough scaled pythons in the wild. So uh yeah, man. I, I can't just honored to, to have him on the podcast. Anyway, I've been here for over two hours. So uh, I think I'm going to wrap this baby up because honestly, it's because I have to pee. It's not because I'm not having fun. I'm having more fun now than I've had before. Than I had even, uh, you know, no, you're good. Uh, this is the end. So uh, thank you guys so much for being here. All 27 of you who have stung, stuck through uh through this whole thing. I really, really appreciate you guys being here. I really appreciate you guys just supporting me doing this just by being here and, uh, and asking me questions and doing all that. And, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to pee in a bottle, but have a great day. I hope you guys all are doing well. Shout out to, uh, everyone out there who is, who is doing their thing under lockdown, under, all this pressure, whether you have uh, you've been laid off, whether you have kids at home that are driving you crazy, whether your your significant others driving you crazy, whether all this stuff, uh, stick to it. Um, love your reptiles. Go work with your reptiles. Find things that find things that you can uh, pass the time with and don't drive you crazy. Um, I hope all of you guys are doing great. Thank you so much for being here, and I will catch you guys next week. Boop a